Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. So glad to see you this morning in this place of worship. Um, uh, Some of you know that Pastor Tim has been working with a group of five or six, uh, what he calls his pit crew his preachers in training, and uh, uh, several of those are with, you know, with Pastor Tim and Karen up in Virginia Beach right now. They're in training, uh, learning how to better craft the message of the gospel and, and, and uh, minister and serve, and, um, and he wanted me to tell you that he will be back next Sunday, and he even plans to bring the pit crew back with him. So um, one of, the, one of the most awesome things I like about our church here, there's a lot of things I like about Seacoast Vineyard, but one of the things I like the most is that God has deposited in this church, he's dropped into this church some incredibly gifted and talented people. People that have this creative urge, this ability to, to uh, display who God is and display things about life through their creative uh, uh, talents. He sprinkled throughout this church just an uh, a, an inordinate number of creative people who have a deep hunger for God and love to express who He is through their artwork. Uh, we have photographers and painters and poets and dancers, musicians, uh, singers, graphic designers sprinkled all through our church, and they love to create beauty from the work of their hands and through their imaginations. And they long to give this beauty right back to God as a gift and an offering. Now, if I said to you this morning that each one of you is a part of that group within our church called the artists of our church, some of you would probably say, "Uh, not me, I'm art challenged. But in reality, God has dropped into each one of our hearts the abilities and the drive to create, to craft, to, uh, uh, to accomplish for him uh, a beautiful work. And if we were defining art in a narrow way, uh, and that only included a few things like sculpting and painting, well, that may be true that all of us can't do some of those things. But he's put inside of you a drive and an ability to create. And when he created you, he stamped on you his image and his likeness. And at the very beginning, at the very core of who God is, God is artist. Read with me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, where it says about him this. It says, it's coming up. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock over all the earth and all, over all the creatures that move along the ground. It says really all the creatures that creep along the ground. It's kind of like, you know, it goes to the smallest thing possible. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male 
and female, he created them. And we, when we look to the ages to today, God is still creating in us what he's said from the beginning is a good work. He looked through the ages and looked at you and I, and he intentionally impressed on us his nature of an artist. His likeness is impressed on your DNA, and he created you not only with the desire to pursue the right hungers and the right passions and a desire for righteousness, but in fact, he's imprinted on you the image and the longing to create, to craft, to accomplish as a part of your life's expressions. Now, one of the most creative people that I've ever met is my father-in-law. Tommy is an artist at heart. He's also a redneck. <laughs> but he's an artist. Yes, they can be together. I know. Yeah. He is, he is a, a crea an incredibly creative person. He could take a block of wood that I would normally throw into the fire pit and enjoy a little bit of warmth from, and given enough time, he can create uh, a stirring spoon for a campfire, a camp pot that would last a lifetime. He never talks fast, and he talks slower now because of some of the illnesses that he has later in life. But he's been an artist all of his life. The last time we visited, we were back in Georgia for a few days, uh, right before Christmas, and I got him on a good night, and we were sitting at the kitchen table, and he was telling me some of his exploits, some of the things he had done. He, he told me how, uh, in his slow-paced way, to break a wild pony. He showed me how and told me how to take a, um, a pot, a cast-iron pot, and cure it so that it'll last a lifetime. He even told me how to skin an alligator, which apparently is something he's done. Surprising to me. He said, he said, you always start at the top with an alligator, but most importantly, you make sure the gator doesn't mind. <laughs> I thought that was a word of wisdom I could take home with me that day. You and I are imprinted with God's image and at the core of God's nature is creativity. We've been given this drive, this urge, this nature to accomplish and to create. And it may have been misplaced or forgotten as we've grown up. But you only have to fill up a room with a bunch of little kids surrounding tables filled with Play-Doh and paint and crayons and construction paper and my favorite, Elmer's glue because you can make the mummy skin, you know. <laughs> I always liked that when I was a kid. Fill up a room with those kids around those tables and they will create. Now part of what they'll create is havoc. But in the midst of all the havoc that they create, you'll see some beautiful artwork come out of it. You ask a four-year-old, are you an artist? What are they going to say? Yeah, I'm an artist. Every kid's an artist. Somewhere along the way, we've lost the urge and the drive to create, to be artists. We've forgotten the call. 
that God has impressed on us in his nature when we were young kids to be creators and artists and craft beauty in our lives. So this morning, I want us to look at a few passages and some ideas on how we can reignite this calling to create. If you want to follow along in your handout, there's a listening guide that's got three points in it, and you can fill in the blanks on those. I always like to try and guess them, so I don't mind if you do that. If you try and guess my points, if you don't get them, you know, I'll correct you as we go along. And there's some room also to add some more notes. And then down at the bottom, there's some devotional verses that you can take into your devotion life this week and use in your quiet times to help reignite this call, this need, this drive to create. And as you listen over these next few minutes, I want you to listen and hear my words as someone whom God deeply, deeply loves and who, whom God has imprinted imprinted and impressed on a love for his beauty and a love to create. To rekindle the call to create, to rekindle the call of the artist, it starts with, first of all, trusting the creator. You have to trust the creator. You have to trust that he's speaking into your heart. Reclaiming the call to create begins with reconnecting that dialogue with the creator in your soul. Reconnecting that, that ability to listen to his voice and that experience of loving to listen to what he's saying to your own life. Renewing that dialogue with God can reignite your faith and your love for him. Saying yes to his voice will bring a fresh desire for beauty in your own life and a fresh desire for the beauty in your own life to spill out into the work of your hands and your imagination. Now, every artist listens to a voice. Some of them listen to a lot of voices. But every artist has a voice that they listen to. Days gone by, uh, the, the poet would talk about the, the songster or the, the uh, minstrel listening to the muses. God, the Holy Spirit, is the voice that inspires us to create the beauty in our lives. And so we have an inside inner voice that God wants to inspire us with and nudge us toward beauty and nudge us in ways that will create beauty out of our lives and ignite our faith and our imagination. Now, have you ever tried to explain faith? Have you ever tried to define faith? We normally drop back into maybe a verse or two that we know. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 says, For faith is the... Oh, now, I, just, I should have put it up on the screen. Faith is the substance of things not seen, evidence of things hoped for. That's a pretty good definition. The, the, book, the book of Hebrews moves toward chapter 11 to explain faith. And after, after just that one verse the writer kind of gives up trying to be cerebral and he defines faith by talking about people of faith, by telling the narrative of faith, by telling stories. And these stories, when you read them, just fire off your imagination about what faith is all about and what exploits can come out of a life of faith. But in the first chapter, in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, 
Right there at the first of the chapter, the writer of Hebrews gives us a very important verse that helps us to understand how to reignite that creative urge and desire in our lives. Hebrews 11.3 says this, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, at a word. It was formed at a word. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. God created it all. He is first of all creator. He is first of all artist. He's our redeemer. And do we need him as redeemer? Oh yes, every day. He's our provider. And we need him as our provider. He's our healer. And we need him as our healer at times. And there's many other names that he fully is. But at the first, at the core, and at the beginning of what we experience with him, he is our creator. He's artist. At the beginning of our faith, at the start of the dialogue we have with God, he created us. And we have to acknowledge that he is the one who created and owns us. And it's his imprint and his image on us that makes us what we are. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. We've already read a verse or two. But if you'll think about the story of Genesis chapter 1 and think about it from an artist explaining what happened, the whole chapter is about him flinging stars into space and creating the starfish of the sea and forming the mountains with his hands and speaking a mollusk into existence. The little and the big, the great and the tiny. He creates with a word and through his imagination. And he's either creating, he's either crafting, he's either the artist or he's the artist stepping back saying, this is really good. This is good work. He steps back and sees the work of his imagination and the work of his words and the work of his hands and he says it's good. And then it comes to day six. And he, and he creates the pinnacle of his creation, mankind. And after he creates mankind, what does he say? He steps back and looks at what he's created and he says, this is very good. He says, this is very good. That's really good. Now, launch forward to today, to our lives, and God says about the work that he's creating and doing in each one of his redeemed kids. He says, that's good. He says, that's good. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He began the good work and he's going to complete the good work. And if you've trusted Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior to renew and redeem you, he steps back and he reviews the work he's doing in your life and he says, this is really, really good. I think one of the biggest hindrances to our faith and one of the biggest hindrances that keep us from creating the life of beauty that God wants us to experience and enjoy and from creating that life of beauty in other people that we're around, I think one of the biggest hindrances is that we've allowed other voices to either replace or drown out the voice of the Creator who wants to say into our hearts, this is really good. And most of us hear when they listen about themselves, most of us hear or many of us hear maybe words like this, unacceptable. 
broken, needy, less than desirable, unwanted, or imperfect, or lacking, or not worth it. And we hear those words coming from other voices that have maybe come out of the pains of our lives or the experiences that we've had. But with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and with one word, he sweeps all those words away. And he looks in your soul, and he reignites this call to create and this call to accomplish. And he says about you, oh, that's very good. That's very good what I'm doing in your life. See, he created you, but he's also creating in you a redemptive work. That creativity began when he created you, but that creativity is moving through your life to create and fire inside of you a longing to live for him, to pursue him, and to accomplish for him. And out of that work of of creating for him and imagining for him, he'll spark and do a new work and a good work in you. Now, every artist, though, knows that art has to move from creativity and imagination to reality, doesn't it? Every artist wants to see their stuff displayed. We want to see it out there. And God calls us to not only have this dialogue inside of our hearts with the Holy Spirit that fires off our imagination and create in our minds what we'd like to accomplish for Him, but He wants us to bring it to reality. He wants us to express it in our lives. And your creativity moves from inside to the medium of your life. And this is when you really do embrace the call to create. You embrace that call in your own life to create. Now, some artists use canvas. Some artists use blocks of wood like my father-in-law. Some artists use a string of notes. Some artists use a, a, a lump of clay. Some artists use a kitchen. Some artists use a barbecue pit. Now, we really like those kind of artists, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Some artists use the tools of their trade to repair an engine or to uh, build a building. But God has dropped into us this desire to bring out and make real and express uh, this call to create. Paul talks about this a little bit in Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 he says, For we are what? God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Now take that with the heart just a moment. And I want you to read it with me, but I want you to replace the we with I. Let's see how that sounds now. For I am God's masterpiece. He has created me anew in Christ Jesus so that I can do the good things He planned for me long ago. Does that put it in perspective? God has done a good work in your life and He wants it to spill out into your life and be expressed. Well, I learned a long time ago that I'm not a painter. I, I love art and I love looking at beautiful art, but I'm not a, I can't draw. I, my 
can art be one-dimensional? I don't even think I hit the two-dimensional. I never got that dimension thing when I was drawing. Uh, but I did learn that I could do other things that are creative. Excuse me just a minute. I'm not going after you first. <laughs> Thomas, going out. I learned that I could do other things that were, uh, that were artistic. And my wife appreciates this about me. I've learned that I could cook. Anybody know what this is? Do you know what this is? I've learned that I can cook. And uh, especially since we lived in Italy uh, and for a few years doing missions, uh, I, I really enjoyed cooking uh, beyond that. And uh, so this is my easy bake oven. And this is how I cook. Not really. If I, if I still cooked in the easy bake oven, what would I be making? Cooking caterpillars. You didn't do that, did you? Oh. You'd be making cookies and really, really tiny cakes, wouldn't you? So God drops in our heart this desire to create, and then he gives us the gift and the ability to do that. But then he desires us to go deeper in him and move forward with that gift and that calling um, to, uh, to uh, do exploits and, and accomplish things for him. He wants us to grow as artists. Well, early in my school years, I learned something else about myself. Um, I learned that I, I loved to write. I just, I just had this passion dropped in me to write to craft short stories or to write poetry and songs. And, and I still have this real um, strong urge to, to not work, but to write. I know that's kind of... Sometimes writing gets in the way of really working. And, and so I have this desire to write and uh, put this up on the screen. This is how I learned to write. This was my... This is actually very close to one of my first typewriters. I know you're thinking I'm really old right now, but... Um, uh, this is a typewriter. For some of you, this is a typewriter. Okay. Yeah. Now, if I... Does anybody still use a typewriter? We had somebody in the first service still uses a typewriter. Does anybody still use a typewriter? No? Okay. So, if I still used a typewriter to write, how, how, well, how effective would that be? You know, you can't copy-paste on that thing. I mean, you have to have a mimeograph machine or or carbon paper, and you can't import Instagrams. You can't, uh, you can't send this to your blog. You know, there's so many limitations to this. So I've moved beyond that. I've moved beyond that. I, I, you know, I've moved to uh, a, a, a computer, you know, so I can actually do other things with it. God wants to take these callings that he's dropped in our lives, this artistic calling, and he wants to ignite that call to create, but then he wants us and desires for us to grow deeper in him and more imaginative in that calling. He wants us to move beyond an easy bake oven and a typewriter and grow in that calling as well. So you may be very, uh, very talented at, at drawing or painting or dancing or, or worship music or writing uh, songs. Or you may be very creative at fixing a motor with the tools that you have and the skills of your hands or recreating a surfboard out of a dinged-up mess. You may have different skills that get expressed through your artistic urge, but you have at the, call, at the core of your calling the ability and the longing 
to accomplish for him. You may be like my wife who is craft challenged. That's her declaration to the world. I'm craft challenged. Don't make me do that. I'm craft challenged. And she may have trouble creating artistic things like that. But see her in her element. And watch her create beauty in an event of hospitality. Where people come together and meet each other. And grow in their relationships. And experience the beauty of connecting with one another. And she's in her element. She finds her canvas when she meets with people. And every artist needs a medium to paint on, don't they? Every artist needs a medium. And every artist needs a workshop, a place that they can work. And I want to give you uh, three, three spaces or three arenas that each of us is given as a gift and entrusted with that we're to create beauty and art on. In fact, these three spaces are so important in each one of our lives that if we create, if we don't create here first, what we create beyond that will be lacking the beauty of the inspiration of the, of the God that we love. It won't be inspired by the voice of the Creator unless we choose to create here first. Okay? The Apostle Paul gives us a verse that helps us to understand this. And we're going to go back to Philippians for just a moment. He says this. He says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. He goes on to say, Keep putting into practice, keep doing it, keep acting it out. All that you've learned and all that you've heard from me, Everything you've heard me do, heard me say or th- seen me do, put these into practice and then the God of peace will be with you. God gives us the inner canvas of our soul to paint on first. He's called us to create on that inner canvas called our soul. Let God pour into you the beautiful words and the good things that he says about you and about himself, and about life. He'll create, and you'll see created from the inside out, a beautiful, a beautiful life that will spill out not only on how you live, but what you personally create, and then how you, how you impact others' lives as well. When you let God speak into your life, and speak into your heart on a regular basis, listening to him in his word, listening to him through prayer, listening to him in worship times, when you, when you let him pour into you and create on that inner canvas of your soul, his voice, his voice will be far louder than any of the voices that are spoken to you that hinder you or bring destruction or leave you dry or leave you empty. And I know that some of you experienced things in life that have spoken f- far more loudly then what God says to you that you're good, what God's doing in your life is good. Some of you experience painful things that have left you dry and left you empty inside and perhaps even un- unable to hear his voice that speaks good into your life. And today God wants to renew that, that voice 
of the Creator who says to you, the work I'm doing in your life is good. He wants to bring hope and life into that inner canvas of your soul. Well, a second arena that he wants to create on and he wants you to create on is that that imaginative canvas that's around you that I can only call the work of your hands. It's the deeds that you do and the things that you accomplish. In the old days, it would be called the exploits of your life. The things that you do for him, the things that you put your life to and the things that you put your passion to. When we think on the things that are honorable and true and pure and holy and good and beautiful, the acts that we do and the works that we do and the exploits that we do will reflect the character of God and will spill over into the world around us and offer hope to those near us. Our exploits will declare to the world that God is a great God and a good God. Uh, while Susan and I, uh, and Rachel was with us at the time, were serving in missions in Italy, uh, a team from our missions organization uh, took a short-term trip to one of the countries, one of the closed countries to the gospel in North Africa. And this country didn't allow people to, uh, to talk openly, um, publicly about Jesus and about the gospel. And so this team was a team of artists. They were all painters and sketch artists. And they traveled in to this country uh, to declare the good news through art. And uh, they went into the center city of the capital of this country and they set up their easels. And it was near the marketplace, so there was a lot of traffic all around there. And before they set up, they determined uh, that their topic would be Jesus as the door. And so each artist had different ways of expressing that Jesus is the door. And um, each day a number of Muslims would walk around and mill around and, and pause and reflect and look at the different uh, pieces of artwork and, and then they would move on. And one of the members of the team was painting a, uh, uh, a door that was opening out of a dark place and there was a keyhole that you could barely see through but see into a very beautiful and light place. And that door was just cracked open and you could see the light coming through that crack in the door there. And he was painting on this and about the third day he's creating, he's really trying to give all he has to this, this piece of artwork. And about the third day uh, he noticed that this elderly Muslim man had, had come by each day and stopped and paused and and waited and, you know, just was looking at the picture. And this man shows up again, and the artist, after a while, hears a, a sniff behind him and then a quiet sob. And he realized that this elderly Muslim man was crying. And, uh, and so he called an interpreter over, and through the interpreter, he learned that the painting had declared to this man that the darkness that he lived in, he had an invitation to leave and to enter into the light. That there was a light that he could move toward and a light place that he could move toward and there was a key and that key would open the door so that he could go in and the door was inviting him to leave the darkness and move into the light. And they were able to share through a private conversation 
that Jesus is that key. And that he does invite us out of darkness and into the light. And through his sacrifice on the cross, he could come into that light. And he did that day. The art bypassed his intellect, moved straight to his heart, and then reconnected with his mind that he needed to act on it. And he did. Your exploits and your works and your deeds are a canvas that you paint beauty on and others see it and are drawn to the Savior because of that. Well, a third canvas that each of us paints on, actually it's not a canvas, it's more of a workspace. We all have this workshop, this workspace of our companions, of our relationships around us. Your companions are those people whom God has called you to and entrusted you to create beauty in and make better because you're in their lives. You will help create in them a beautiful work of art from what God is working on in you or apart from the Creator's voice in your life, the potential pain that could come. How you live your calling to create should pour into those closest to you the beauty and hope and truth that reflect the Savior and reflect the Creator. Well, I've got one third, uh, I've got a third point for you, a third fill-in for you, and one final way uh, that you can and we can as a church reignite that passion and expand that call to create is to encourage the artists among us, encourage the artistic community in our church and here at the Grand Strand. This artistic call that each of us has really works best in relationships, in community. And that's why every semester we have new groups that meet all over the Grand Strand. We're trying to create space that you can enter into and, and experience that creative call in your own life and be encouraged to do that, uh, to, to uh, pour that into other people's lives as well. And that's why we've got small groups that meet all over the Grand Strand. We've got uh, leaders that give time out of their lives. I'm looking at, at Doug over there and, and uh, Mark and different leaders in our church that give time out of their lives and space in their homes to, uh, to open up their doors so you can be a part of a community and be encouraged in the calling that God's given you. And, uh, and so God has called us as a church to unleash the creative community among us. He's called us to unleash the arts and the artists among us. In the Old Testament, when the, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt and bondage and moving through the Exodus and moving toward the Promised Land, when this people of hundreds of thousands, the, the, um, the commentaries say, these, these hundreds of thousands of people were leaving bondage, they were really kind of an unorganized, uh, bickering horde of people. And God gave Moses this, this inspiration, this wisdom to call all the artisans together to help bring unity to this, this group of people and help them to become a nation of worshipers. And he called the artisans together. And in Exodus chapter 35, verse 10, it says this. It says that Moses said, All you who are skilled among you are to come and make everything that the Lord has commanded 
Come and use the calling that God's put in your life to be artists and create those things that will help us to become a worshiping community. Later on it says that they were people who excelled as craftsmen, as designers. He called the artists among them to help bring unity and a community together. And they became the people of God. God has made you and I in His image. He's imprinted on us His likeness and He's imprinted on us the likeness of the artist. And you and I bring a rich potential to the life that we live and the church that we're a part of. Here at Seacoast, we want to unleash the creative community. We want there to be an opportunity for you to accomplish exploits for His name. We want the creative community in our church to help bring unity and beauty to our worship and unity and beauty to the work that we do as well. And here's how it starts. It starts with renewing your conversation with God and listening to His voice and letting the God who created you and letting the God who desires when He looks at the canvas of your life and the canvas of your soul and the exploits of your life and He steps back and He says, Oh, that's really good. And that's really beautiful. And that's what I've been longing for. And that's what pleases me. That's the God who speaks to us today and ignites that calling to create and to do exploits for Him. Let's pray together. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.